Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Come on, everybody excited? Come on, God's so good. Look at somebody tell me you look so good today. Come on. Is that okay? Be an encouragement to somebody. You look good. You look good. You look good. Well, good morning. It's an honor to be here with you guys today. Uh, excited about all the things that God is doing in and through Restoration Life. Hey, can I tell you that um, we are on the verge of possibly having a Torrance location for our campus. I need you guys to pray. I need you guys to bombard heaven. It's, it's, it's right by Delamo Mall, by Torrance High School, in between Torrance High School and Delamo Mall. And man, we are looking for our Torrance campus to get there, to get set up. And uh, we want to start reaching our, our community in Torrance. Is that okay? So that has not uh, been thrown under the carpet, okay? We are working diligently. And let me just remind everybody, if, you're, if you live in the Torrance area, we want you to know that if you want to come and visit the Torrance location or be a part of the Torrance location, it's still one church. Okay, so if you're serving in ministry here, you could serve in ministry over there. Okay, if, 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 uh, if there's any confusion in that, just make sure that you go see your team leader. But we are going to be ministering back and forth. We're going to be doing some things there. And um, I'm excited about this facility. I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities. And, man, it's so hard to find a building in Torrance. But if, if, if you can just pray for us and pray with us uh, that, that God will open this door for us, that would be an amazing blessing. Amen? If you have your Bibles, open to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And uh, I just want to read a portion of Scripture, and then I just kind of want to open it up in prayer. Um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says this. My old self, say old self. Now, let me just say and, and just let you know right now that I want to minister to Christians today. Is that okay? So I, feel, I believe that this house is filled with Christians this morning, but if you're new to Restoration Life, we welcome you. You've been looking for a church that just loves God and loves on people unconditionally. We want to welcome you home today. Uh, but, but today I really want to talk to Christians that are dealing with something that I believe is a deception. Is that okay? No. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. That means that the old me is dead. Who I used to be before I came in, into a personal relationship with Jesus, that Eddie is dead. That you is dead. They no longer live. They don't longer uh, talk that way live that way, love that way, um, interpret things in the manner before Christ, but the old you, the old me, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can we just bow our heads and pray? This morning, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy on all of our lives. Lord, I just pray that you help me, Lord God, to, um, to speak out the message that you placed on my heart for your church. And, 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 and Lord, I just pray, God, that our hearts and minds would be open to instruction from your living word. And Lord, the direction that you all want us to take this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
So my old self is dead. Your old self is dead. Can anybody come into agreement with that? Right, who you once were before you had an encounter with Jesus, you're not that person anymore. You're not supposed to be that person anymore. Come on. You have a new identity in Jesus Christ. You have been made brand new. The Bible says all things have passed away. All things have become new. And so if all things become new, the way that I think is brand new, the way that I love is brand new, the way that I interpret things and process things because I've put on the mind of Christ is brand new. The old you is dead, but the new has come forth. And you and I have been called to live in this newness of life. Right? We'd all agree on that based on what Paul's saying to the church in Galatia. So today, I want, to, I want us to focus on our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. Why? Because who I am and what I believe determines who I worship and how I live. Let me say that again. Who I am, who I am, what my, who I believe that I am determines what I believe. What I believe determines who or what I worship and how I live out this new life. James puts it like this in, first, um, uh, in, the, in the first chapter, James chapter, chapter 1, verse 23 and 25. And, and I want you to, let me just put it to you this way. I've entitled this me message, Hocus Focus. Hocus Focus. Not Hocus Pocus. Hocus Focus. That word hocus literally means to be deceived by something. It is a deception. And how many know that Satan has come to deceive us? He says that the, even the very elect will be deceived. He is a deceiver of the brethren. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so there is something that I believe we sometimes begin to believe that is hocus, that is deception, that is a lie. And we start to focus on the deception that has been projected onto us by something or someone else. And so again, today I've entitled this message, Hocus Focus. All right, James chapter 1, verse 23 and 25 says it this way. This is an unstable focus. If you listen to the word and do not live out the message that you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. In other words, God's telling you who you are in him and how you are reflecting the image of God in this world as a believer of Christ, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple if in Christ, but then something happens. You, you, you leave that reflection and you go out into the world and now you don't reflect Jesus anymore. In fact, you've forgotten who you really are because you're having identity issues. So here's the stable focus. But those who set their gaze deeply, focus, into the perfect, perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. How many of you want to experience God's blessing in all that you do? Right? I think we all do. I think there's not one person here that didn't say, I want to experience God's blessing in everything that I do. 
because I know that I'm not who I used to be. I know that I'm walking in the new creation that God's called me to be. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And I don't have to be perfect. And I don't have to have it all together to have a reflection of Christ on my life. I, 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 I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that I'm unique. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I know that I'm different. That I'm not a counterfeit um, uh, a reflection of something that I pretend to be. I know who I am and who I'm supposed to be in Christ. But many a times what you and I struggle with is this hocus focus. We start to have identity problems in our Christianity because we tend to start believing what other people say about us. We know how the world views the Christian. Some of them think that you're a Bible thumper, that you're a fanatic, that you're part of a cult, that, that they always put, they always make the Christians look like weirdos on television, right? Right? In movies, on The Simpsons, I mean, you name it. It's everywhere. The Christian is the weirdo. But I don't think the Christian is the weirdo. I just think that the world has a wrong interpretation of who the Christian really is. And so we have this hocus focus. We have this deceived focus on, on, on what the world describes us as and how we start then to view ourselves. People have been deceived to believe something that they are not. Because we live in a world that's filled with people who really don't know who they really are. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to grow into it. They just really don't know who they are and what they're supposed to be pursuing in life. And so they start experimenting, you know, with, with personalities and relationships and styles. It's like that kid, you know, that goes to high school. He's a clean-cut kid. Before you know it, he's a punk rocker. And then you know he's a surfer. And then after that, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like people don't know who they really are. And they start to involve themselves with other personalities, with other identifications, hoping to feel a part of something. We live in a world where people believe that they simply just don't fit in. We live in a time when people are both in and out of the church or experience it at what I want to look today, and that is it, this identity crisis. Who am I in Christ? The dictionary would define identity crisis as a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims and role in society. Merriam-Webster says it like this, that it is a feeling of unhappiness and confusion caused not by being sure of what type of person you really are or what the true purpose of your life really is. <clears throat> and so unfortunately, I think we see this in church from time to time, and not, not just in our church, but in churches around the world, where because people don't know who they really are in Christ, they start to pretend to be something else that they're not in order to deal with their friends, in order to deal with their family, in order to deal with their workplace, in order to deal with their friends at school, in order to deal with the way that society functions, we tend to shift based on our outward surroundings, right? It's almost kind of like this spiritual Christian schizophrenia. Think about it, right? Multiple personalities. 
like in church, you're like, praise God, amen, glory to God, blessed and highly favored. That when you go to school, you know that you don't talk like that. Right? When you go to work, you, you, you know you don't express yourself in that way. And at home, you put on another personality. Right? And so you're different in church. You're different at work. You're different with your friends. You're different when you're out playing. You're different, you know, when, when, when you're at, 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 uh, uh, at, uh, at the beach. You're you know, all these different places require you to carry a different identity. And it's unhealthy. <laughs> because we really don't know who we are in Christ. We're not confident in who we are in Christ. And I'm here to tell you that you need to learn how to be confident in who you are in Christ Jesus because it's the authority that comes behind that that helps you live the kind of life that's blessed and highly favored all the time, everywhere you go. But if we don't know who we really are, what we'll tend to do is pretend to be like someone else. We're having identity issues. And so... If we don't know who we really are, we're never really going to be as strong as we need to be to fulfill the plan that God has for all of us. Some of us will come to a conclusion that, man, I'm just jacked up. And it's okay to get to that conclusion because God can build from that. Right? Or maybe we've encountered some really difficult hardships that have seemed to strip us of all that we thought we were. We've lost our identity in Christ and we don't know who we really are. And so consequently... We struggle every day with the concept of being flesh-led and spirit-led, right? God has called us to be led by the spirit, not by the flesh. But when we're led by the flesh and we get into different environments, we become like a chameleon, right? We adapt to our environment. We adapt to the culture. And God's never called you and I to, 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 to feel like... Um, uh, to, to feel like we belong in that, God has called us to stand out in that. God has called us to stand out as a shining light, right? So today we're saved, we're serving God, we love God, we're in church, we're experiencing the goodness of grace, we love being in worship, we love loving on one another, but tomorrow we could be slip sliding away, throwing tantrums, throwing in the towel, throwing dishes at our spouse, whatever. We throw harsh words, and, 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 and we hurt like it was nothing. We drop F-bombs. Come on. Like, like we're Al Pacino and Scarface. How, why is it so easy for us to go from praise God, hallelujah, to F this? How is that so easy? It's easy because you don't really have a solid identity in Christ. Because if you did have a solid identity in Christ, you would check yourself when you feel like you wanted to say something like that. You would check yourself be before you were rude to somebody. You would check yourself before you become apathetic to somebody else's hardship. I'm not talking to anybody here, right? We have to know who we are in Christ, and the question must be asked, why? Why do we do these things? Why do we act one way in church and another way out? Why do we act one way in worship and another way out? Why do we act one way in life group and another way out? Why do we have uh, friends in and out of the house that cause us to, to shift the way that we act around them? Have you ever noticed that some people would just change when they're around certain people? I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm just saying. It happens. It happens. And I'm, 
And I want to encourage you guys this morning to know who you are in Christ Jesus. To know who you are as a son or daughter of God. To know who you are as someone who was once living in a dark and messed up place to now a child of God living free, amen, and empowered and anointed and called for a purpose. And such a time as this. To know that no matter what happens outside of you, it can't change who you, who, who you really are in Christ. And so I think this is a serious crisis for the Christian. Because if we're not careful, we can become super religious. And this is where the hypocritical label comes on. Right? They're hypocrites. And I don't want to be known as a hypocrite. I want to be known as a child of God. Can anybody say amen? I, I want us to... I want them to know us by the way that we love them. I want them to know us by the way we, we, we lay down our lives for one another. I want us to know by, by the Christ that, that is in us, the hope of glory that we serve day in and day out of our lives. And nothing that happens could ever change that. And so what do we do? Number one, we have to know who we are in Jesus. We have to know who we are in Christ. First Peter. The Apostle Peter writes this in second uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are God's chosen treasure. Look at somebody tell him, you're a treasure. Come on. You're a treasure. And God chose you. He elected you. He said to you, that one's mine. You can't have them. You can't have her. They belong to me. You're his treasure. Priests who are kings. A spiritual nation. Set apart for God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Did you hear that? We're on mission, church. To broadcast the love of Jesus, not just in the city of Lawndale, not just in the city of Torrance, not just in the South Bay, but globally it is our job to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, it becomes difficult to do so when you don't know who you are in Christ. Because when you don't know who you are in Christ and, and, and you're wavering in that relationship, you're wavering in that identity, it gets harder and harder for you and I to lay down your life for someone else. It gets harder and harder for you to stand up to things that are ungodly and unholy. It gets harder and harder for you to speak out against things that are just not right. Like what happened in New York. What happened in New York is ungodly. Come on, we speak life. We are pro-life as Christians. We believe in protecting the sanctity of life. That's who we are. We're not saying that people don't have hardships. We're not saying that people shouldn't have control of their bodies. That's not what we're saying. That, what we're saying is that we need, to have, we need to be a voice for the voiceless. We need to speak life when things are, 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 are just snuck by us and think that that's okay. No, we live in a free country, amen, and we can make our voice heard and let people know what they did was wrong. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. Oh, come on. problem comes when we allow labels to be put on us and opinions to be put on us that make us question who we really are in Christ. Like, has anybody ever been told something and then you start to believe it? 
Like, like for instance, for me, I'll just throw myself out there. I have like, I have like this, this, this mind, this mindset, like if I'm doing something, no matter, no matter how hard you hit me upside the head, I'm going to stay focused on that because I need to get that thing done. Right? And so my wife and my children, most of all, will remind me that I have selective hearing. Any, anybody have the same disease? Right? So if I'm watching something and they start talking to me, I'm zoned out. I'm like, I, I do the typical man response. Uh-huh. Sure. Not a problem. Go ahead. You know, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm watching what I'm watching. That's why Roxanne says, turn the TV off and look at me. Because if I don't look at her, then I don't have my full attention on her. Right? My kids, same thing. They're talking to me. And I'm going to, I'm texting somebody. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And next thing you know, you know, they're like, Dad, did you hear what it said? I was like, um, I caught bits and pieces of it. It's just the way that I'm wired. Somebody will text me. And I, and I get railed for this all the time. They'll text me and they'll pour out their heart. And I'll just respond, we're just going to believe God and pray. You know, just, and that's it. I won't say anything else. Because if I'm doing something else, it'll take me some time to come back to that and really focus in on it. But I feel like I have to say something in that moment. Right? And so my kids are constantly telling me, you need to go get your head checked. Anybody with me on that? Right? Anybody ever been told that? You need to go get your head checked. Something is wrong with you. And after multiple conversations with my wife and kids, there are times that I actually believe maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe I do need to go get my head checked. Maybe I do need to go get examined. Because they've said it so much that I'm actually starting to believe it. And I want you to know that you'll hear something so much that you'll actually start to believe it even though it's a hocus focus. Did you know that you talk to yourself like 50,000 times a day? Scientists will say that you talk to yourself 50 times or 50,000 times a day. And most of what you say to yourself isn't positive. It's negative. Did you know that? And so imagine you have the world telling you things about you. You have yourself telling you things about you. You have your wife and kids telling you things about you. Sooner or later, you're going to actually feel like you're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> but in spite of what the world thinks and tells you, who do you believe that you are? I always have to go back to who Christ says that I am. Look at what Christ says. He says, you're a chosen generation. You are God's treasure. You're a royal priesthood. You belong to a kingdom family. You are majestic. You are a spiritual nation. You are citizens of heaven. You belong to the king. You don't belong to this world anymore. You are not of this world. Stop trying to fit in. Stand out. You've been set apart for a devotion to serve God. And in serving God, you show God's love to others. You are no longer slaves to sin. You are children of the Most High God. Come on. I'm not a slave. I'm not stupid. I'm not broken. I've been restored by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Come on. I may not have it all together. I, ha I may have space cadet moments. Right? I, I, I may fail from time to time. But that doesn't remove my identity in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, 
I inherit God's kingdom. And so say this with me. I am a child of God. Come on. I'm chosen. I'm new. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm restored. Come on. That's who you are in Christ. You need to live from that platform. We have to focus on who we are in Christ. So how do we respond to all of this? Well, Romans 12 one says it like this. Beloved friends, which should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies. How do we respond to God's mercy on our life? How do we respond knowing that we once were lost, but now we're found? How do we respond that once we were addicted, but now we've been set free? How do we respond that we should have been dead, that we should have been divorced, that we should have been cast out, but God has drawn us in, that he has chosen us for himself, and he has restored us and healed us and empowered us? How do we respond? Because that's mercy. That's mercy on your life. That's mercy on all of our lives. So how do we respond to this marvelous mercy? Paul says to the church in Rome, he says, I encourage you to surrender that's how we respond. We surrender to God. We surrender everything to God. All of our pains, all of our hardships, all of our struggles, everything that we go through. We surrender that to God. We surrender everything that we are to God. We surrender our marriage to God. We surrender our children to God. We surrender our lifestyle to God. We surrender our finances to God. We surrender all the giftings that he's placed in us for him. We surrender it all to God. He says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship this is your genuine expression of worship I was quickening my spirit this week when I was thinking about this message I was thinking about how some people that come to church one of the reasons why they really don't worship God is because they have a false identity in Christ. One of the reasons why many people come to church today and really don't surrender everything and give God everything during their worship experience, during their worship time, is because they really don't understand who they are in Christ. And because they don't understand who they are in Christ, they don't feel worthy of that time of worship. They don't feel like it's actually doing anything or that he actually hears them and sees their heart because they feel like their heart isn't in it because of who they are or who they think they are based on what everybody's opinion is out there of them. And this is a problem that we have to fix, church. It's a problem because it becomes easier and easier for us to miss out on worship and just come in during the time of the word. It becomes easier and easier to go to Starbucks or to the undergrounds and hang out until worship's over, almost over because I don't feel I'm worthy enough to give God my worship. But I need a word today. I need encouragement today. I need to receive something today to get me through this week. And I want to encourage you today that you are a child of the Most High God. And whenever you come into this house to surrender to God and worship all that you are, you're singing a love song to God because of the mercy that he's placed on your life. God has been merciful to you. God has been merciful to you. Listen, the prerequisite to worship is God's mercy. The prerequisite to God's mercy on your life is the fact that you have done something wrong and don't deserve it. And so 
receiving that mercy over something that you've done wrong qualifies you now to come into the house and worship God with everything that's within you. And somehow we've gotten this all twisted and messed up where we actually think that I'm not good enough to worship God. I'm here to tell you that God made you good enough to worship him because of his great mercy on your life. Look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say in view of how awesome you are. It doesn't say that. In view of how awesome you are, you can now step into the realm of worship and God will hear you. It's not what it says. In view of how, how, how much money you have in your bank account. It's not what it says. It didn't say in view of your impressive ministerial resume. It's not what it says. It didn't say in view of your generous contributions. It's not what it says. It, says, it doesn't even say in view of how much money your business makes. It didn't say surrender to him and worship him, which is your spiritual act of worship. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, says it really dynamic, but the prerequisite to worship of God is his mercy for you. Ephesians 2, 1 and 6 says this. 2, 1 through 6. It wasn't long ago that where you, were all, you were all jacked up. <laughs> you were all mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the very first thing about living, I love that, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then ex exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing like we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, mercy. Immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did it all on his own with no help from us. Come on. Then he picked us up and he set us down the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. I don't want you to allow this deception, this hocus focus of who you are in Christ, what's wrong with you today to keep you from focusing and worshiping on what's right with God. Don't ever let what's wrong with you keep you from serving or worshiping what's wrong with God. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Romans 12.1b says it this way. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention. Focus your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Come on. There is a difference. And I love what, what Eric was saying earlier about religion and, and Christianity. Because there is a difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is focused on what we can do for God. That's religion. And that'll always fall short. That'll never be enough. Did you hear that? Religion is all works-based, rules-based. You need to do this to, to, to experience his love, and you need to do that to walk in his goodness. And you need to do, you know, and if you don't do that, then you have no relationship. But that's, that's religion. Relationship, relationship says, because of my extravagant mercy over your life, I'm allowing you to step into my presence, and wherever my presence is, we know there is, come on, freedom. Right? So, so he says, 
he says this, remember that we didn't do anything for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in and nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. It is only by the grace of God that you are saved. Come on. Listen, we didn't earn it, but we have to honor it. You didn't earn salvation, but you do have to honor salvation. Because if you dishonor salvation, then you have to ask, am I really saved? Am I really born again? Do I really have a relationship with God, or do I have a relationship with God's people, and that's why I go to Restoration Life? makes all the difference because if you have a relationship with Jesus then you'll never let what people do and don't do ever drive you out of restoration life right come on and we're all human beings we're all gonna fail we're all gonna mess up we're all gonna do things that we don't necessarily intend on doing nor do we want to do nor is the motivation to hurt somebody but sometimes the enemy gets in like a slithering snake and he brings this interpretation that something isn't real but if you know who you are in Christ those things don't affect you come on we honor it by knowing who we are in Christ and living right from that identity Romans 12 3b says this the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by who God is and what God does. In other words, if you base your identity on the opinions of people, you're being shaped by their opinions of you. You're being shaped by a hocus focus, becoming in the image, you become more of the image of somebody else's opinion rather than the image of your creator. So how, what do we do? Here's where we close. Here's where we close. We have to be aware that we become what we worship. We become what we worship. If you don't like who you're becoming, you're probably worshiping the wrong God. Let me say that again. If you don't like who you are becoming, you're probably worshiping the wrong things or the wrong God. Because there are a lot of false gods in this world. <laughs> but there's only one true God. But if we're worshiping the one and true God, it's like Jesus with the woman at the well. He said, like, you worship, you don't even know what you're worshiping when you worship. But you're worshiping. Everybody worships something or someone. My question is, who are you worshiping this morning? Because the more you worship God with your life, the more you worship God with your words, the more you worship God with your heart, the more you worship God with your decisions, the more and more you become like Jesus. Mind you, still imperfect, but being perfected. But this is your identity in Christ. This is who I am in Jesus. In his book, The, uh, the Air We Breathe, Louis Gigolo says, so how do you know what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your money, and your allegiance. He says, at the end of the trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is of what is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is who you worship. So who I am and what I believe determines who I worship 
and how I live. Who are you in Christ when times get tough? Who are you in Christ when you're around different people? Who are you in Christ when you're serving on one of our dream teams at Restoration Life? Who are you in Christ when you're at the gym? Who are you in Christ when you're at home with your family? Who are you in Christ when your friends ask you to go out and hang out with them? Who are you in Christ when, when, when you feel attacked and you feel afflicted and you feel like going through some? Who are you in Christ? We should know who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We've been free by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been made brand new. I've got a new life ahead of me. I've got a whole new way of living ahead of me. I've got a whole lot of learning ahead of me. I'm not saying I've arrived. Even Paul said, not that I've already arrived, but I'm pressing in. I'm reaching forward. I fix my eyes on what's ahead of me, not on what's behind me.